When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10. That's podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to the top analysis of today's markets. Did the bulls get ahead of themselves? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Jared Dillian, editor of the Daily Dirt Nap newsletter. Hi, Jared. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm. Everyone knows I've been struggling with this stupid illness all week, but I, I feel like I'm on the upswing. At least my voice is coming back a little bit, which is good. Um, but I don't know. I can't. I don't think we could say the same thing. As I get better, the market seems to get worse. I'm curious to get your thoughts today because, um, you know, we saw a retreat. Stocks gave up a 300 point rally and we saw yields moving higher. I feel like you saw some of this coming because in one of your notes last week, you said you were getting nervous about a couple of things. One of them was the rally in ARC, and, and one of them was just that people seemed like they were in a good mood. So I don't know. What do you make of this action? Well, I mean, the sentiment definitely got better. I was scrolling through Twitter before I came on, and um, the net bulls bear spread went positive for the first time in like a long time. Uh, pretty much like a couple days ago. Um, so that's one thing for sure. Um, you know, in my notes, I was talking about, I was really talking about the Fed meeting and mm. sort of the negative asymmetry of the Fed meeting. Um, and uh, what really, I mean, what we're still dealing with is the after effects of that payroll number, you know, where payrolls came in at 500,000. And, um, we're still we're still dealing with that. I mean, there's been a lot of speculation about that print. Uh, I've talked to some people that said that it's possibly due to some screwed up seasonality factors. The number could be bogus. Uh, but what if it's not bogus? I mean, what if we really did add 500,000 jobs in January? So, you know, if you look at Fed funds futures, they've sold off about 20 basis points. Uh, the curve has gotten even more inverted. Two tens is at 82 basis points. So we're kind of back where we were about a month or two ago, where you have this upward pressure on short-term rates and its financial conditions are tightening a little bit. And going into it, sentiment got a little bit hot. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we did get a little ahead of ourselves. You know, we, we've been going through this earnings period and I thought everyone was really interested to hear what everyone heard. I don't know. Did we learn anything from that? It seemed like some stocks did better, but it, it, it didn't move the needle one way or the other, it seems, in terms of knowing what to expect. I mean, you know, these people are stewarding companies. Presumably, they'd have something to say about whether we're headed to a toward a recession or if the worst is behind us. I haven't seen, you know, sometimes people will, you know, compile um, you know, words spoken on earnings calls and stuff like that. Yeah. I think the one, I think the one stock that people are focused on right now is Google. Google is down like 6% today. 
And, you know, this chat GPT is an existential threat to its business model. Mm. Well, guess what the Economist cover this weekend is? It's Google. The, the Economist did a cover on Google saying that, like, it's basically the end of the line for Google. And as you know, the Economist covers are always dead balls wrong. And <laughs> I now you, ha you have to buy Google. <laughs> like, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so. I wonder if they think the people who do the covers are thinking that when they do it, because it's true. I mean, it usually is. They say they never ring a bell, but it's kind of all like that, time, right? All the time. Like yeah. if if I were if I were the Economist, I were like the artist doing the cover. I'm like, I would actually, I would probably buy the stock. I wonder if that's insider trading. Front run, front insider trading. Cover. If the, the guy who does the cover like actually buys Google stock. <laughs> it's like, so true. But <laughs> what, what did you make of of uh, we? You know. Uh, we saw more positive sentiment come into equities. We saw equities rallying, but a lot of people were scratching their heads because it did seem to be the arcs, some of the high flying tech. It wasn't, it, I thought people were looking for, uh, you know, a rotation or for value to pick up and active management and all of that. And it, it seemed like it was the, the same old things. It wasn't new. No, it's it's been it's been frustrating for me. Um, you know, you've had a big retracement in value over growth. Um, growth has done a lot better. One of the stocks that I've been paying attention to, it's actually in what I call the paper portfolio in my newsletter, is Uber. Uber is up about 20, 25% uh, in the last couple of weeks. So yeah, growth is taking over again. I mean, it which which probably should have been a sign that the rally was about to come to an end. Now I was looking at a longer term chart of the S&P today and it's, you know, it's inconclusive. I mean, we've had, um, you know, we got up to about 4,200 and you could sort of interpret this as a flag or a consolidation off of that level. Um, I mean, really the, the reality is, is that sentiment is pretty much in the middle. Uh, we're not at an extreme, you know, you know that I trade based on sentiment and there's kind of nothing to do right now. So, you know, one of the things I talked about in my newsletter today is kind of the struggle, you know, that if you're a mean reversion sentiment trader, like what do you do when everything's in the middle and there's nothing going on? What do you do? Uh, I put a lot of cat pictures in the newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> we live for those cat pictures, Jared. But I mean, so I guess it begs the question, do you have to be doing something all the time? No, absolutely not. Like, and that's one of the things that I think about a lot, like, because, you know, there was a, a period in my life about five years ago when I thought about managing money. Uh, and I still think about it from time to time. And, you know, I, I wonder about these long see because I'm very opportunistic and I don't I don't feel compelled to be fully invested all the time. So do people want to pay management fees on a large cash balance in a portfolio? You know, and it's mm -hmm. it's tough to justify. But the good news is is that nowadays a large cash balance in a portfolio earns five percent. So exactly. Cash is an alternative, right? That yeah. was that was what came up at, at the end of last year. So we've got some good questions already. Um, I want it. I want it. We, we knew this was inevitably going to come up. But um, Yi Chen asking, um, why do you think Tesla is going against the market today 
on a big rally because Tesla's up. So let's let's back that Tesla conversation all the way up because we've been talking about Tesla the last few times you were on, and you and I were on for an extended Friday uh, daily briefing. I think it was January 20th and and Tesla came up and this is again related to sort of sentiment in the market. Let's re-rack what what happened then and then we'll talk about where Tesla is has come and where it's going. So let's play that January 20th comment on Tesla our conversation on Tesla. So I think it had a major sentiment bottom. I was early. I was too early. Um I think it had a major sentiment bottom at 102. Uh and you know, I think there's some nervous shorts out there. The price action has been pretty positive. What I can tell you is there's a lot of shorts that have a they have a lot of runway on this trade. People that have shorted the stock at 300 and they're up 60, 70% on this trade. So one of the things that happens if you have a winning trade like this that is a huge winner people tend to get sloppy about taking profits, right? They say, well, I'm short from 300, so if it goes to 150 or 160, that's fine, I'll cover it there. And inevitably what happens, it goes to 150 or 160, they're like, ah, you know, I, I'll, you know I'll, I'll cover it at 180, and then they just give it all back. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, when I, when I look on Twitter and I see what some of the Tesla bears are talking about, like they're getting a little sloppy about taking profits. If you short a stock and it goes down 70%, take profits. Like yeah. absolutely take profits because let me just tell you, Tesla's not going to zero. It's not happening. Absolutely not happening. So just 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 for those for those Tesla bears out there, why wouldn't that happen? Um, I mean, look, I mean, this is a longer conversation. This is like this is like five or ten minutes, but basically. There's no, there's no real viable alternative to Tesla when it comes to EVs because it's not just about the EV. It's about the whole charging network, right? And if you buy an EV from Ford, you can't use Tesla's charging network, and they have a nationwide charging network. They have, they, they have 10 or 15 years of lead time on every other car manufacturer. So, I mean, that, all of that is worth a lot. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Jared, I think that's fun to listen to. So January 20th, um, Tesla was at 133. um, And, you know, the bears were having a field day. And now in the last month, um, it certainly has gone up 74%. Um, but it's been a big move. And so I just wonder, you know, wh- wh- how, how are you thinking about that now? Um, that's a humongous move. And to Yi Chen's point, it's up today again, even though the broader market's down. How are you thinking about that? So first of all, one th- you know, when I first got bullish on Tesla, I was warned by people like, dude, there's only a 3% short interest. There's not a lot of shorts. And I'm like, that data is bad. 
like there's definitely more than three percent shorts based on the volume of comments that I'm seeing on that. That three percent is Tommy Thornton alone. No, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I, I said I was like, you know. There's, you know, like I said in the in the piece, like people got the shorts got sloppy and it was it was going down the toilet and they thought it was going to zero. And I said, you have to take profits. Um, so, I mean, look, I put a, I floated a couple of trial balloons on Twitter. This is back a couple of weeks ago. Mm. And I basically I'm like, I'm going to call Elon Musk a hero. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and you're brave. Yeah. And I had to turn off the replies. Like it was bad, it was really? really, really bad, and 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 you know even when you turn off replies on a tweet, you can still get quote tweeted. So I was getting like quote tweeted out the wazoo. People were calling me an idiot and stuff. So like that's that's where we were a couple of weeks ago, and all those people are really quiet right now, and I have not gotten any apologies. So he's he's waiting. Um, so what what about now that why do you think it's is this is this just pure sentiment? I mean, this is this really stock has yeah. so much momentum all the time. Um, are you do you hold it at all in your paper portfolio or so it was it was in the portfolio, the paper portfolio um, and as of one or two days ago, we launched it. So I got out like one ninety five, one ninety, something like that. Mm. Um, so, you know, it was, it was a good idea. I mean, as you know, why is it up today when the market's down? Because all the shorts are not out yet. Mm. They're not out yet. They're still covering. I mean, it's just, it was, that was a major sentiment bottom. Like that's, that's one of those things. Like if you're trading sentiment, you have to be involved when you see the volume pick up on something like that. Mm. Um, by the way, you, you're always going to have the bears. Um, Ralph is pointing out the charging network could be bought in bankruptcy, but they're, they're completely unrelated. We're doing a look in looking for the upside. We're going to be looking at lithium. Um, so completely in the rare earth space, but, but in the process of that, we were looking at all sorts of, um, charts on EVs and stuff. And the EV sales of Tesla were last year were amazing. They outsell, they outsold so many other companies by a long shot. That's not a comment on Tesla stock itself. It was just funny to see it on the on the graph from Kelly Blue Book what that looked at. Um, let's talk about another another trade that had a lot of momentum around. Certainly a lot of talk around it in the beginning. Um, and that was gold. You know, we did that as part of looking for the upside. So many people are looking at gold. So many people had that as one of their sort of top picks going into the year. But it seems like that's kind of stalled out. What are you looking at if you're looking at the gold chart? Yeah, I mean, it's down a bit today. Uh, you know, it traded up to 1945. Um, got hit by the unemployment report. It sold off to about 1880. It spent a couple days at 1880. Uh, just could not get off the mat, couldn't get any momentum, traded lower today. Uh, you know, I mean, it was gold rallied 350 bucks in a straight line, like mm -hmm. with no corrections. Like it was, that was an incredible move. So you had to have a correction. I think the correction continues until about 1800 or so. I think gold gets down to about 1800. You got to shake out some of the late longs. I do think you had some late longs and you know, talking about floating trial balloons on Twitter, you know, I started getting bullish on gold and Twitter and I noticed the difference, you know, last year when I did that, I had people making fun of me 
And this year when I did that just a couple of weeks ago, like I had people agreeing with me and I was like, oh, that's not a good sign. Exactly. So, that should be yeah. the contrary <laughs> indicator, right? Yeah. <laughs> when you're getting love on Twitter at all, it's probably something to take notice of. Um, as a question from Joseph on uranium, since we're kind of in, in the metals commodity space, do you see gathering momentum in uranium? Gosh, you know, I haven't looked at uranium in a while. I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to pull up Amico here and just take a look at the chart. Um, I mean, it, let me, yeah, it's, I don't really see anything to do. You know, it's like, it, it's pretty quiet. You know, you're always going to have that group of diehard uranium investors that are always long. Um, you know, when I look at that chart, I see a consolidation that's lasted a year and we're sort of at the upper end of that range. You know, if Cameco breaks above 30 or 32, then things might get interesting. You know, mm. that's what I look at. That's when I look at the chart, that's what I see. So, yeah. Um, Bo brings up a really, I'm gonna, we're going to stick on commodities in a, in a second. I just want to go back to the Fed and rates. Um, Bo brings up a really good point and says, Jared, it seems the entire market is betting on rates to either go up or down. Aren't both bearish? <laughs> I mean, it's one of these. I think he's referring to, um, or she. That's actually that's a, that's a it's a good observation. Yeah. yeah, it is because you know if if rates if go the, down, we get a recession. If rates right. go up, uh, financial markets get killed. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and yet the market uh, is acting like one of these scenarios is good news. That's been kind of confounding a lot of us. Yeah. I mean. The, the curve is super inverted. It's 82 basis points inverted. There's not a lot to do in the long end here. Like if you look at tens at like 360 or 365 or wherever they are, like it's kind of hard to bet on tens on 10 year yields going down because if you're betting that, you're betting that the curve gets even more inverted. Like you're basically betting on twos tens getting to like 100 basis points or 120 basis points inverted. Because the front end of the yield curve is not moving. I mean, that's being held in place by Fed funds expectations. So really like, you know, kind of the right thing to do is to be short volatility in 10s and 30s until we get some kind of move out of the Fed one way or another. I know I'm seeing some, I'm seeing some dumb comments like I turned on my Bloomberg this morning and I saw a headline, apparently some strategist is calling for Fed funds to go to 8%. Um, and I guess consensus is like 6%. I'm like, consensus is 6%. Like, you know, I think we're going to get a 25 basis point rate hike in March. And I think we're going to get another 25 in May based on the results of that last payroll report. But that doesn't get you to 6% and certainly doesn't get you to 8%. So it seems like people... People are excessively bullish on the Fed here. I don't know. And it's interesting because so are you I'm wondering if that person is there is this sort of uh, school of thought that we're going to see this second wave of inflation happen, you know, in, in the second half of this year, this resurgence of inflation. Um, are you in that camp? Well, I, I do think I am in that camp, but I don't think I don't think it happens this year. I think it happens later. I think it happens in 2024 or 25. You know, inflation inflation moves very slowly. I mean, if you go back to that chart of the 70s where we had three big spikes of inflation, one in like 69, one in 74, one in 79. I mean, they were like five years apart. 
So, you know, the Fed raising rates has succeeded in bringing down inflation quite a bit. And inflation will continue to come down. It's not going to go right back up. It will go up eventually, but not, I don't think this year. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, we're yeah, it, it, everything is, is it, everyone's condensing, I think, the timeline. Uh, we do have a big CPI number next week um, as well. You think that's going to be a big market mover? Yeah, especially given the price action today uh, and the way the market's been behaving. You know, the, basically la the last month's print, I think, was six and a half. And for next week, they're looking for 6.2. Um, I think if it comes in on the screws at 6.2, I think that's pretty bullish. Um, you know, obviously, if it comes in below that, it's even more bullish. Um, you know, I don't have any insight into the data. I can't predict. I'm not going to make a call on that. But yeah. Um, so we have a lot of questions coming in about commodities. Interestingly, I did want to talk about oil. Uh, because we we've seen you know we've seen oil prices certainly very subdued. Uh, it's been energy's been underperforming. In his latest Steno signals, Andreas took a look at the energy space and in particular the expectations around China's reopening. Let's have a listen to that, and we'll talk on the other side. When I look at what I call beta in commodities to Chinese activity, I note that. Industrial metals tend to perform when the Chinese activity is on an upwards uh, slope, while energy is at the bottom of the leaderboard in the commodity complex when China gains momentum. You can see that uh, in the table here with 10 years of data between the Chinese Purchasing Manager Index, so a gauge of the activity in China, and then the subsequent move in commodity space. We have metals on top of the leaderboard and we have energy towards the bottom, in particularly energy in Europe, but also US energy suffers uh, from a activity momentum in China. Why is that? That doesn't really make sense on the surface, does it? I mean, when China is open for business, you would expect China to buy more um, energy commodities to keep the engine running. But I think it relates to China being a very centralized economy and an, an economy that can dictate commodity trends ahead of major activity turning points. And the latest installment of Steno Signals is out and available on our website right now. You can hit the link to find out how to subscribe if you are not already a subscriber. Uh, what, are you, what are you thinking about when you look at the energy space, Jared? Uh you know, I'm going to sound kind of stupid because I talk about sentiment all the time, but we had a major top last year in sentiment, uh, and we're still working off that sentiment top. You know, mm -hmm. there's there's uh, there's a lot of hope. You know, there's, you know, people really believe in $200 oil, and I will say that it's absolutely going to happen, just not on anybody's timeline. You know, it's 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 going to wear out a lot of bulls in the process before that actually happened. So um, I think there's I think there's going to come a point where, you know, oil oil is going to be a massive buy. Energy stocks are going to be a massive buy, but it's it could take could take another year or longer for that to happen. So, it you know, it just takes time to work off those overbought conditions. Yeah, there were so many people who were who were so tribally in that trade, right? It's it was it, and and still think it's 
it's here. Like you know, it's funny. I was uh, I was I was flipping through Bloomberg today, and I pulled up George Noble's Note Fund, and uh, I was just kind of reading the articles about it. And there was an article from a couple of weeks ago that had all the holdings of his fund, and the only longs he had in his fund were energy. Mm. Right. So I mean, it just you know, not to say that he's right or wrong on energy, but it just kind of gives you an insight. And there's 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 a select group of investors that all they're they're all in they're 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 sponsoring the same trades. Mm-hmm. You know, they're betting on higher rates, stronger dollar, stronger energy, lower tech, and they all kind of run around like a marching band. And like that isn't going to work until they give up. You know, like that's the problem. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Yeah, that's so true. Um, that's that's a that's a great point. Uh, so question on um, question about the dollar. Where do you see the dollar going from here in the next three to six months? I don't know about three to six months. I mean, it bounced right where it was supposed to bounce. Uh, so we're getting a little bit of a technical bounce. You know, look, I mean, if you gave me 15 or 20 minutes, I could give you my whole thesis on why I think the dollar is going to go down. Uh, but it could go up a lot first. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really has to do with the sovereign debt bubble in Japan and stuff like that. Um, but I think in the short term, it probably goes a little bit higher. You know, um, just like gold is going to 1800, I think, I think the dollar probably goes up another three or 4%. So before it starts to decline, when you were talking about everyone being on, um, you know, all, all long energy and all sort of marching to that same tune and all making the same bet on higher rates and energy, it reminded me of a very cautionary, excellent cautionary point from uh, Diego Perillo when we had him on a couple of months ago, as we turned the corner to the year and he was really saying, make sure that you don't fall victim to false diversification. Make sure all your trades aren't lined up basically on the same thesis. Even if you think you're in different assets, you're you're basically making the same bet. I think a lot of people do that because that's where their bias is. So it's something to guard against. You can construct a portfolio with a bunch of different stocks and a bunch of different asset classes, and it all moves in the same direction Mm -hmm. because thematically, it's all the same thing. It's all the exact same theme. And when I was at Lehman Brothers, I gave a name to this and I called it the blob, right? So back then, it was like, it was a weak dollar trade. So it was this is back in the mid-2000s. And every day the dollar would go down. Every day XLB, basic materials, would go up, you know, and every day European stocks would go up. It was the blob. And so, so you either, you if you constructed a portfolio, you either in the blob or you were the anti-blob, Right. So you kind of have to figure out like thematically, like if you build a portfolio thematically, you're like based on one theme, like the, all the diversification benefits disappear. Exactly. So. Exactly. Which is, it's so blatantly obvious. And yet I think that people are maybe blind to their bias and sometimes 
think that they're protecting themselves that way. And it doesn't, we really saw that blow up last year. Uh, Grant asking any thoughts on the Canadian dollar? Uh, that's actually, I was looking at it today. What it does. I mean, it's, it's the, the last couple of years, uh, CAD has been a nightmare to trade. Uh, if you go back to 2013, 14, um, you had, I mean, it went from like parity to 146 in a year. It was like the best trend to trade off of, of all time. And I caught most of that trade and that was a really, really good trade for me. Uh, now it's in a range between 133 and 137. And even when you get big moves in the dollar, dollar CAD doesn't move all that much. And I just, it's impossible to have an opinion on it. Like it, it doesn't trend. So a couple of questions about Nat gas. Are you watching that? I don't, I don't often talk to you about Nat gas. Is that something you're following? Yeah, I'm following that. What do you, so, um, Dan says, Tony Greer says he wasn't buying that gas. What's your take? And then uh, how likely is it that that gas is finding a bottom around the current level? You know, I think I think the, from a sentiment standpoint, that gas is at a bottom. I think we've done a complete 180 from last year when you had all that stuff going on in Europe with the pipeline and all that stuff and the war in Ukraine when everybody was super bullish on that gas, now everybody is 180 degrees the opposite direction. So yeah, like I think I, I, I'm bullish on that gas here. I love this question from Oliver. Uh, what is your highest conviction paper trade? And Oliver also wants to know, are you in the market? Are you still building your house? <laughs> I don't know if I have a highest conviction paper trade at the moment. Uh, still building the house, I probably have about 10 or 11 months to go. So it's brutal when you're building a house. Yeah. It just takes so long. Wait, weren't lumber prices going up? Uh, I think are you we past that point where that matters? locked in all our lumber prices at this point. So that's, that was a good trade then, Jared, because I saw them creeping back up. Anecdotally, someone also, uh, one of our producers here, Jillian, said that uh, so the Bank of Canada paused, uh, said they were going to pause their rate hikes, but she is looking in the housing market and says that, that she, she, she was already seeing housing prices start to tick up again, perhaps a cautionary tale of pausing too early. Yeah, I don't know about, I mean, I've been saying this for a while. There's a couple people on Twitter who are like super like housing doom mongers. And, you know, we had a pullback in prices here in Myrtle Beach. It pulled back about 10%. Now it's back on the highs again, you know, uh, you know, 10-year yields came down, mortgage rates are now in the five handle, right? So you got, so mortgage rates came down from over seven to below six. Like there's, you know, if in periods of inflation, you want to own real estate. I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing that kind of like blows my mind about all this is that like you have people who are super bearish on housing, but you know, if you look at what housing did in the seventies, like it was like one asset that you really wanted to own. You know, like at least post the 70s and interest rates got really, really high. So. Uh, and on housing, we'll finish up with, are you up for shorting housing stocks indexes? Doesn't sound like you are based on that. Well, from Dan. Yeah, I don't I haven't. It's been many, many years since I've traded the home builders. Um, they've probably done better than they should have recently. Um, but I am not going to be shorting any home builders for sure. Fantastic. So Jared, it sounds like you are, 
um, just data dependent, like the Fed, that they're you're you're not feeling super convicted in one way or the other, but you are watching for those sentiment turn sentiment turns, uh, like you just said in that gas. That if 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 something gets overextended, then you're going to pay attention to that. But but waiting for clarity on a lot of other fronts. Yeah. Um, and by the way, you know when when I said sentiment got a little bit hot in stocks. Like when I say that it got hot, it basically went from like a zero to a five on a scale of one to 10. <laughs> and it doesn't have to go to a 10, but a lot of times it does. And it would not shock me at all if we got a CPI print of like 6.1 and we traded above 4,200 in the S&P and we got another leg up. In, in the universe of things that would not surprise me, that would not surprise me at all. So you don't feel like stocks are feeling so overextended. You you don't feel like it's the, the sentiment swung that bullish that no. that there's more. No. Do you think it's still overly bearish? It's it's about in the middle. It really is. It's about in the middle. There's not much to do. You so, know. So thing, we're lukewarm. The, it's like Goldilocks, but not a good one. It's like yeah. Kind of the just thing like, with the thing with trading sentiment is that it's it's useful in the end zones, but not at the 50 yard line. Mm. And we were at the 50 yard line and. You know, I come into work every day and there's there's not a lot for me to do. So so that's the takeaway. We're at the 50 yard line. Yeah. What, what, what do you think gives us some direction? Is it that inflation data? Is it are we waiting yeah. on the next Fed? Yeah, it'll be the CPI print for sure. Yeah. All right. We're going to get ready. Jared, it's always fantastic to catch up with you. You're, you're, you're throwing a birthday party for two things. You've got a book coming out in April, but ahead of that, you're throwing yourself a birthday party. What do we need to know? Are we all invited? Everybody is invited. Uh, it's on March 10th. It's in New York. I oh, it's know, in New York. Well, hang on. Yeah, you didn't know I, that? I thought it was going to be in Carolinas. No, no, no. It's New, in New York, York might be a lot more accessible to our community. Yeah, it's it's at 21st and 6th. It's a Dew Supper Club. March 10th goes from seven to midnight. Um, if you know, if you want, if you want tickets, if you want to come, you can DM me on Twitter, and I'll give you the link for the tickets. So. Fantastic. Well, we're looking forward to that. And the book coming out in April is your essays, right? Yep. Yep. Fantastic. I just told Jared before he came on air, I totally copped one of his essays and used it um, for some recent, a recent parenting dilemma I had, and it came in clutch. So I'm going to fill Jared in about <laughs> that, but I'll, I'll share with all of you at some point too, but highly recommend the read. We can't wait for, wait for the book and the birthday party, Jared. Good stuff. We appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Thanks to all of you. Thanks for the great questions today. We will be back with our extended Friday daily briefing tomorrow. So come armed with some more great questions. We'll see you then. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.